Hey everybody, Jacob here. I uh, I just want to say a big thank you from the three of us, me, Tate, and our third co-host, for listening these this 2020. It's been a interesting year for everybody, but uh, we've got a jam-packed episode for you coming up, and I, I think it's a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun recording it, and here it is. Cue the music. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one in the back. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Wham! Cut sap. First try. Why so serious? He's a fast killer. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. I'm a freaking pump! I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Day for a Movie podcast. We are brought to you by GD4GD, so head on over to GD4GD.com and buy some dope gear. Because $10 of every sale gets donated to their nonprofit partner, which is currently the Matthews House. They're a nonprofit that empowers youth and families by building trusting relationships. Their Strengthening Families program takes a holistic approach in helping at-risk families achieve stability. This helps disrupt the cycles of poverty and abuse. So, like I said, head on over to gd4gd.com and buy some awesome gear. I'm Jacob, and alongside me, as always, Tate. What's up? And our anonymous third co-host. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, new year, but some things never change. Oh, your, your introductions get me every time, I think. The shortest and sweetest little introduction in the business. It's like, yep, or hello. Or, <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. even, I feel like it's just a combination of yep. those two. Yep. Hello. Yeah, I really don't know what you want me to say. It's just like, yeah, there you go. It's me. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's all. That's um, not wrong. So you're probably wondering, GD4AM, what are you doing? It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. Why are you releasing a podcast? You always release on Mondays. Well, while that is true for the year that was 2020, things will be a little bit different. In 2021. We're going to spice things up. Um, like a little hot sauce. But you can't move forward unless you know where you've been. So I think what we're going to do is we are going to do a little look back at 2020. Um, I think one of the best things about movies is that you don't just experience it while you are watching it. The experience, like good movies and even bad movies the experience stays with you and you continue to think about them. Yeah. And it, it continues to come up in conversation in your everyday life. Yeah. In that way, the only bad movies are average movies. Movies right. you forget about. Right. Because if a movie, if nothing stands out in a movie, nothing was accomplished really. Right. Yeah. If I completely For forget about part. it right afterwards, n- no change. And no th- change in my life. I think we've done a relatively good job of picking some, intriguing movies that we can have good conversations about and that do kind of stick with you and make you think and maybe a week maybe two months later you're like maybe an hour later maybe 15 minutes after we hit end on the podcast we're like i should have given that a lower score i should have given that a higher score i've done it almost immediately after we were done with the podcast yes like every movie (laughs) Like every time, no. <laughs> like one of the two of you, almost every time it seems like 
it's like, I should have given that a better score. I should have given that a lower score. I shouldn't have stuck on either zeros or fives. <laughs> no. Well, okay, that was a fault of Tate since the beginning. <laughs> no, no regrets on that. <laughs> the, that's a deep regret. <laughs> so I think we should just kind of hop into this. Um, so do you want to? So we're thinking that we go through every movie that we've watched, um, which we've released 15 episodes. So we'll just go through each movie, starting from the beginning, and um, just see if there's any. I'll say the scores, and then see if you guys want to change anything about it, or just make any comments in general, whatever comes to mind. So the first one that we watched was Get On Up. Get On Up. <laughs> Get On Up. Yeah. What a great movie. Um, Jacob and both gave it the same score of a 72, while your boy gave it a 75, and it came out to an average of 73. Any changes there, folks? I do not have a change in my score. There's a part of me, I don't want to say that I regret picking this movie because any other time I'd have been happy that it was a podcast pick, but it was quite the movie to start out with. It was just a weird movie to start out with. It wasn't a big tentpole film. Tentpole film. It wasn't a great film. It wasn't a horrible film. So that's yeah. kind of the only comment. I it was have just on that. a. It, it was just a timing thing. Because yeah. was Chadwick Boseman yeah, had just passed Boseman. away a few weeks. Yep. It was probably months by the time we released it earlier. So yep. Yeah, it it was a surprising pick to be honest for like the first movie, but very. You know, yeah, it was it was a good movie. I thought so. It, but it was right down the kind of the path of average like it wasn't spectacular it wasn't bad it was just yeah that was good all right movie number two was the guard one of his favorites i believe jacob wants to bump his score up for sure i see in his eyes are twinkling a little bit jacob gave it the lowest score of of us all with a 71 i came in there with an 80 rated it in 83 so it gave an average of 78 um any changes there i am not changing the score because if you remember back to when we did this episode, the three of us are like, which time that we did this episode? And we kind of got into that in the actual recording that we released. This was a episode that we reviewed twice, only watched it once. And the first time I gave my score, I gave it like a 68, 67. So I've already bumped that one up. Oh, wow. So that didn't even ring a bell to me. It, that one's sticking at a 71. Yeah, it's going to stick at an 80 also for me because um, looking at my other movies that I have as 80s are kind of around the same range where I'd get on up at a 75. I think 80 is a pretty fair score for me in that uh, for this one. So I'm going to stick. Yeah, I stay. All right. The third one that we released was the Halloween special Hubie Halloween, which we all actually loved, even though it scored in the 60s. Um, we loved it because it way surpassed our expectations. Jacob and I both gave it a 70, and wow, he had some round numbers for this one. You gave it a 60. Any changes on this one with an average of 66.67? Nope. No, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm very happy that we watched that movie, though. I think that was a... And I think it's an appropriate score. We talked about in the movie that it's one of those where it's a bad movie, but it's a great movie to it's watch. It's a good, bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm it, like... I think it was like kind of the perfect thing we needed for like our third episode, our first special where it was, it was just a lot of fun to watch it. It was a ton of fun. I, yeah, I still love that movie. I, I mean, I it can't gave wait us for next this. Halloween. Wicked, wicked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to love that button for Among other things. <laughs> There's some great quotes in that movie. Yeah. I can't wait for next Halloween. Watch it again. All right. Fourth movie was Punch Drunk Love. This is the one that we have a little bit of changing of scores. I believe I've heard. 
came in very actually i'll start with me i i came in with a 90 came in with a very very low score of 62 and jacob came in with a 69 very nice yes i this is one of the movies that for the next month or so i just couldn't stop thinking about i was like man there wasn't anything that stuck with me where i was like ah that movie like sucked but at the same time, there wasn't necessarily anything that stuck with me that was like, this movie was incredible. So I'm not getting up into the nines. I'm not getting up into the eights. But I am going to get up into the sevens. I'm going to bump this thing up to a 76. Mm, 76. Okay. Yeah, I'm coming. I think the problem was it was such a frustrating movie. And the way it was filmed is the way that a movie would drive me insane. The loud noises... You can hear everyone's. It was just, it reminded me of Uncut Gems. Yeah, just chaos. I can't think. I can't understand. And I'm wanting to like get in and try and just like say, shut up, shut up. Let me hear this person. But all in all, it definitely deserved better than the 62. And I think I was just reacting at how frustrating it was. <laughs> you were just <laughs> angry. Yeah. Because then as I thought back on it, I was like, that actually was a really good movie. So it's up to a 74 for me. 74, okay. Yeah, that, that one, I think, was my biggest error in ranking or scoring. So, so that one prior to the change, by the way, I'm, I'm, I was at a 90 and I'm going to stick to a 90. I was almost thinking, like, I mean, this is a movie that I thought about a lot um, even afterwards just because it's such a different movie. But um, I was tempted to even bump it up to 95 because to me a 95 is like one of my favorite films. Like it's, it's up there as... I don't even know, top 10, top 20, but it's up there as like favorite films. Um, I Thinking back though, I don't, I'm not sure it quite met that. I just think I just really liked it. And so I'm going to stick with it at a 90. Um, and so our average before you guys bumped it up was a 73 and the average now is an 80. So I think that's... I think that's about the perfect average score for it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's pretty good. Next movie that we watched was Trial of the Chicago 7. This one, picked by Jacob, came in at an 80. Jacob with a 91, and me with a 90. So an average score of 87. Any changes there? Nope. I also think I'm going to stick with a 90 still, because it's... it's um, For me, I have to... With my five-point scale that you guys give me a bunch of shit for, it's nice for me, because I get to basically have a lot of movies that have the same score, and I basically get to look at those movies and say, okay, are these on the same page as... Um, how much I like them with these other nineties that I give. And so when I look at punch drunk love, um, and the other one that I gave, which we'll get into is a good time as a 90. I'm kind of like, okay, this movie's on par with those three. So I'm going to stick with a 90. I like it. Yeah. And I am also going to stick with my 91. I, um, this movie actually comes in as my second favorite movie of 2020, uh, like released oh. in 2020. Not that I've watched in 2020 necessarily. Um, it's only behind Disney Pixar's Onward that was released before this podcast was even a twinkle in our eyes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, I, Aaron Sorkin, we went over it, but he's just yeah, the movie phenomenal was writer. Awesome. I, I love that movie. Next one that came in was Contact. This one, Jacob came in at a 93. And and I both scored this an 85 with an average score of 87.67. Yeah, so I'm going to bump mine up. I initially bumped mine down because 
of the of the cheese. It was a little cheesy, but in hindsight, and weirdly, hearing you two talking to people who'd seen Contact and who react so positively to it, and I've been able to have conversations with people about it, and man, that it's a better movie. It's a ninety for me. It's the cheese just kind of went out the door in my brain. Like it, it's compelling. It's good. It's good stuff. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is another movie. It didn't quite stick with me. Like maybe a movie like Punch Drunk Love does, but it's, it's definitely a movie where I'm like, man, that was so good. And I feel like it's one of the most disrespected movies I've ever heard of because I'd never heard of it before we watched this movie, before we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, what was its ratings on, like, in the sixes on yeah, everything? Yeah, I mean, it, it was Rotten quite Tomatoes, low. IMDb, Metacritic, and it was, yeah. Yeah, It and Prestige might be my two, like, Dark Horse movies that I've ever seen. Yeah. This movie's definitely a Dark Horse. I think, like, when, like, you just hit on it, uh, when I think Punch Drunk Love, I don't think classic. I don't think that that's, even though it's one of my favorites, um, I don't think it's a classic. But when I think of Contact, I'm like, why isn't this movie a classic? Because I feel like it is... It's incredible cast. It's incredible acting. The overall plot and like the dynamics of the characters um, and the truth versus religion and all these things, all these aspects, it was just a great film. Um, I gave an 85 and I think I might still stick with an 85 just because, um, yeah, again, I need to look at all these other ones that are 90s and I'm kind of like, does it does it quite reach that 90 bar for me? Um, it's a classic movie that I would rewatch over and over. But Sounds like an 87 to me. Yeah, he's in a rounding <laughs> trap. He's yeah. falling. Hey, sometimes he runs you get into your this pros fault and your cons. every single time. And like you just like. ran into pros and cons within like five minutes of each other. Okay, you're maybe like, I it's should... so great that I do this, and then like the next movie, you're like, oh, this is wow, this it's is right tough. in between, but I can't make a decision. <laughs> it's right in between eighty-five and ninety. You have no idea. I give oh. you permission to break the rule for this one movie. Okay, um, I'll stick with an eighty-five. <laughs> okay. He has weak knees. Yeah. Gotta stay true, baby. So you're saying you're sticking with your score? Yep. Okay. So that one actually gets bumped up now to an 89 for an average. Next movie was Good Time. And this one <laughs> was another favorite of mine as you chuckle over there. <laughs> because you, kind of, sir, gave it a 60. <laughs> I think you gotta. We talk about this. Do you think We've I'm gonna change this. my score? We've talked about this. You have a bias against my movie picks. I have a bias, yes, because you pick <laughs> movies up your alley, and the movies that are up your alley are bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you gave it a 60. Jacob gave it a 79. I gave it a 90 with an average of 76. Any score changes here? I am changing my score. Mm. And unfortunately... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tate's not going to like it. Yeah, well, that's what it gets. So I ran into this dilemma of... Whatever you bump it down, I'm going to have to bump mine up to average. <laughs> Just kidding. Tate's back-to-back picks of Punch Drunk Love and Good Time. I enjoyed Punch Drunk Love more, and I had Good Time rated higher. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to oh, adjust that mistake. Shit. You and I a 76 am now. going to bump Good Time down to a 75. Oh, all right. That's, that's okay. More. <laughs> I I can't because I I did enjoy it. I, I enjoy those movies quite a lot. I enjoy watching them, but those types of kind of indie movies just it's an incredibly difficult 
job task that they have to enter my like kind of greatest of all times. Like Uncut Gems did that. This one, the Safety brothers just weren't quite there. Baloney. It's because Robert Pattinson is the twinkle in Jacob's eye. I also do love my boy R Pats. R Pats was great in this movie. Bias. And like I think the reason I'm able to say that is because I've never seen Twilight and like you. I feel like you've watched all the Twilight movies over and over one. again. And <laughs> it you're was just one of the funniest experiences of my life. You're just so <laughs> upset that he's trying to distance himself from your favorite franchise. No, 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 no. no. I don't blame him. He's just trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> trying too hard. All right. Would you change your 60? No. Ah, damn it. Absolutely deserves a 60. Thought I might get you. Well, I'm going to stick with a 92 or a 90, which is what I normally had. Um, so our average then dropped down to a 75. So just I hit barely. it right on the money. Um, next movie was the special guest episode with our boy Caden, who kind of shot on all of our scores. Caden. Yeah, it was a crazy movie. That was surprising. Yeah. He picks a movie that he's never seen. I've never seen it. You two had seen it. And it's such a good movie that you're kind of expecting the person that picked it, even subconsciously, to be like, I have to give this a high score. But Caden's just such a interesting mind where he's like, <laughs> I feel like part of it was like, I picked this movie. I can't give it a great score. Yeah, I don't want, well, and we talked a little bit about it afterwards where it's kind of like he, his, his mental score of what he gives movies is different than what we have. And like, everyone's got their own kind of score. I mean, take this guy over here. He's got about 10 different ways that he scores them. Okay. So I just, this idea just popped in my head. We need to call Caden. We got to call Caden. He has to defend himself. He's got to. either that or he's going to change his score. Come on. Answer the phone. Hi, you have reached Caden Strand. Please leave your name Shit. and number, and I will get back to he you. He does this sometimes. Possible. Hang up. He might call back in like five minutes. Let's leave him a voicemail. Oh, is it? Caden, it's your favorite boys here. Caden, you are... Your voicemail is live to tape to the Good Day for a Movie podcast, and we're very disappointed in you. We're, we're reviewing our 2020 movies, and we're going over all of our scores, and the one with Sicario came up, and we're trying to call you to get your score changed if you want. You need to defend this thing. Yeah, because you gave it an 80 like a crazy man. All right, call us back. All righty, and the next movie that we chose was Devil All the Time, which Jacob gave an 82, I gave a 70, and not surprisingly, came in with his boring score of a 50, which gave it an average of 67. Were there any changes here? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I'm, I'm not changing my score. I stick with it. This is one of the more frustrating movies that we've ever done a review of. It was just... I was so excited for it. It was a little bit of a letdown. I was expecting to be in like the 90s based off the trailers and the cast and whatnot, and even the story... And man, Sage just gave me nothing in that episode. Yeah, he really just did not like this movie. Nothing to give. Like, <laughs> it was like it caused physical pain on him that like it must have like somehow injured his vocal box and just enabled it, disabled it. I actually did realize why I thought I, I think I disliked it so much. 
and it's because it was narrated. I think that the way that movie could have been better is if it didn't have the narrator. If you had to piece together everything and if you went through the movie without someone literally telling you what was happening and who they were five seconds before everything happened. I think that I think that ruined the movie, honestly. I think it probably would have been in the seventies if that if they didn't have the narrator. See, that's a very fair criticism. Yeah, yeah I think that's very fair. Because I, I, I think the narrator was not a needed part. It, um, and if anything, yeah, probably hurt it. Uh, I don't think it was the only thing because there's a, a couple of things about this movie that I didn't like that much. Um, yeah, I just but, said it was the biggest thing. And, yeah, and it yeah. was in hindsight. I was like, man, I really need to know why I dislike this movie so much. And I but think that was it. This because one, there was no suspense and it was supposed to be like a crime thriller or whatever. Yeah, this one definitely was one where it didn't feel like it hit the mark that it looked like it was going to set, um, which was kind of a bummer, but... So I'm going to stick with my score. I think my only thing is that I gave it the same score, I guess, as Hubie Halloween. And I, I, after watching Hubie, I felt great. And I gave it a 70. And after watching this, I didn't feel too good. <laughs> and I still gave it a 70. So I'm kind of like, ah, do I change it? But nah, I'm just going to leave them and say that they're on the same boat, but Hubie's a little better. Should we count how many times Tate runs into a pickle with his rating system? See, time. you guys think it's a pickle. I think it's so great. We're just shaking our heads at each other like... At least we're in agreement there, Jacob. It's okay. You guys just don't get it. There's just no words sometimes for these two. Next movie that we saw was Howl's Moving Castle by Miyazaki. And happy belated birthday to Miyazaki, by the way. It was his birthday on the 5th of January. So Happy birthday, happy birthday to, to you. him. Happy birthday to However him. However you say in Japanese. Happy birthday, Hayao Miyazaki. Happy birthday to Anyways, Anyways. Howl's Moving Castle, one of the most creative, ingenuitive, weird movie I've ever seen. Yeah, the imaginative. It was just um, the obviously the visuals are just incredible. Um, I I, yeah, it was a movie that I really loved. This is the only. This is one of the main ones I think out of all these ones. This is the one that I felt the most willing to change, and I'm still thinking on if I am or not. Um, Yeah, you and you and I both gave it an eighty. Page over here gave it an 86. Any changes there? I'm staying put on mine. Um, I think part of it, part of the creativity, just kind of jumped the shark, if you will. So, jump the shark. You don't know that phrase. I'm do not you? sure I've heard that one. It's like it got too far out over its heels. Like, too big for its britches. Yeah, pretty much. Like it, it, it almost like it was kind of like trying to do too much. And so that's why I'm giving it an 80. But again, a great movie. You should watch it. It was a wonderful kind of ride to go on. Yeah, and I think I'm going to also stick with an 80 just because, and I was close to bumping it up to an 85, but um, thinking back on it. Have you changed the score it, yet? I have not. Your boys stayed consistent. You're like the biggest complainer of score needing to change scores. Oh, no. I guess, no. I guess Tate definitely We got is. some finger pointing going on right oh, now. Oh, my but gosh. Your boy over to my right. Yeah, but mine are nudges. Tate's like, and well, oh my god, his problem it's like is torrential. Tate's problem is that he really wants to change his scores, but he can't because yeah. he's sticking to this. Yeah, and five he feels like he has to stay to his system to get to justify it. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I love my system. I'm nudging Howells to an 88. Oh, okay. Slight change there. Fair. It's totally just a fair. little nudge. It's like it. 86 is weird number for it 88 is right mm, 88 feels right because it's it's closer to a 90 than it is like an 85 
Okay. That's and fair. I'm willing to go in between, Tate. I'm You're one of those guys. <laughs> All right, that bumps the average up to an 82.67, so basically an 83. Next movie that we had was Mystic River. This one, Jacob and I, again, both gave it the same score of a 90, and gave it a 73, which the average came out to an 84.33. 73 is another crazy score. Yeah, for a pretty great movie. Yes, um... I will say I, I am changing my score on this one. Ever since I kind of gave it the few weeks afterwards, I something just kind of stuck in my craw, and I was like, this movie doesn't belong in the nines. It does belong in the eights. It belongs in the high eights. I'm just bumping it down two points to an 88. Um, very enjoyable movie. I think this movie is actually incredibly rewatchable as well, probably. Um, it feels like one of the movies that you would, see on like TNT on a Sunday afternoon and be like it totally feels like see that it movie. on and you're like eh, yeah dad we'll, we'll finish where this. it has we can the watch commercials every thing. five yeah. minutes and it feels like yeah. the two hour movie turns into a four hour movie. but like the movie's like still good enough where you're like you don't want to change it yeah yeah it probably would be a TNT staple because of its trite lame dialogue oh that movie is gosh. staying at a 73 <laughs> absolutely just- it's just crazy. I You're mean, I, wild. All right, and I am actually going to change one. Change this one. I honestly don't remember that I gave it a ninety. I must have been really high up on my horse after this movie. I think what happened. No, I re- absolutely remember. What I know. Happened. Here, here's my guess on to what happened is <laughs> shat on it with his score, and we were expecting like an eighty something. And it really pissed you off, so you gave it a 90 instead that, of an 85, which is about what you're about to change your score to. I am about to change it to an 85. That's a good guess, Jacob. Okay. <laughs> I know these two very I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm, I'm thinking of another movie. I was wrong. Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm bumping this one down, and I think you hit it on the head. I don't, and especially after looking at the other ones that I ranked as like Contact and um, the other 90s that I gave out for Punch, Junk, Love, and Good Time, I like those ones more than this one. Again, great film. I really liked it, but... To me, it doesn't hit the nines. Great eights. So that's the one. It was good time. Tate gave a 95, I think, initially. And then he was like, no, it's too high. I can't have it in my 95s. And then you said, can I redo it? Can I redo it? And then you made it a 90. Pretty sure. I, I kind of remember I that. I did do that once, well. but I'm not sure which one that was. I can't remember either. I'm pretty sure it was good time. We'll never know. Well, it was, yeah. Anywho. We'll never know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Impossible to listen back to. That comes out to a new average of 83.67, so 84, which, yeah. Fair. Fair. The next movie that we watched was the Christmas special. The movie which was, that changed just yeah, heart. Yeah, one of my favorites. Even if it was only for a few short days. One of my favorites just purely because of the change I saw in his eyes. Klaus. For this one... I gave it the lowest score with an 85, then came in Jacob with an 86, and then with the 95 when he was all joyful and cheer. Joyful and triumphant. The average came out to 88.67. Are there any changes here? I'm happy with my score. I'm pretty happy with my score. It was a great movie, but I think I'm going to stick with the mid-8s. 94. Just one. Oh, just one. Why just you got? Why were you doing it to it? I go on a point? star system, and then I have to translate it to this dumb out of a hundred system, and it's a very, very, very strong four and a half out of five stars. But it doesn't go into the five star territory. Hmm. And so, to you, a ninety-five rounds up to a five star. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, actually, right. to me, it's called math. To me, it's the opposite. Well, I mean, yeah, but because four and a half stars, like as a percentage is out of nine. five, is ninety-five. Ninety? No, it's ninety. It's ninety. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I'm taking that part out. <laughs> no, we're not. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I get it. That's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, it's kind of petty well, to yeah, just one drop point, it, it one point, like, but, you know. Gotta do what you gotta do. The next film that we watched was the classic Jurassic Park that your boy had never seen before. Jacob came in with the first hundred ever on the podcast. Psychotic. Sage came in with an 88 and I came in with an 85. Overall, we ranked it a 91. Any changes here? Yeah, put me in 92. Bumping it up. Oh, wow. Did not see that sure. coming. Wow. I, my, this was a, this was a good old case, you know, uh, a little, I had a little packer in me. My head was stuck in the cheese of Jurassic Park and I couldn't get my head out of it like an ostrich in the sand. What is going on? I kind of just let it keep going and see when it stops. I don't know what just happened. But I don't either. I'm very happy with this. <laughs> yeah, he bumped it, bumped it up a couple for you. Yeah. I am going to stick with an 85 only because I think I'm tempted to bump it down. You son of a bitch. But I don't think I will just because it's a classic and maybe that's bad on me for letting it be a, a classic film to do that. But... 85 is fine for it. I, yeah, This is one of those ones where, you know, I'd, I'd put it if I could right at that 82, 83 mark, but you boys got to stick. You boys got to stick to it. Benefits me this time. 85. I'm sticking with my 100. I mean, to me, it's as perfect of a movie as you can get. So then that bumps the average up to a 92. Last but not least, <laughs> the most recent movie that we watched... <sighs> which actually came out in the first couple days of 2021, but we technically recorded it in 2020, was Chronicle. One of the worst movies of all time. These two's brains are so tiny. Came in with a crazy high score of 75, Jacob with a 62, and I came in at a 30. Any change in scores on this one? Yes. Big time. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> oh my Big time. God. What kind of drop you got for us? Maybe not. Maybe I'm overselling it. It's a seven-point drop. It's going down to a 55. All righty. Another movie where the more you kind of think about it, the more... Maybe this is like my good time. Because the more I think about this, the more frustrated I get. I'm like, this movie was just so bad. Like, there wasn't... There were very few... The only redeeming quality was Michael B. Jordan. Like, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you, you're preaching to the choir right oh, over here. I mean, it was just, I, I just, the more I just keep thinking about it, I'm like, this movie was just, the story was utter shit. Though, I think, I guess the other saving grace, why it's not getting like a 20 or a 30, is because there was never a bad CGI moment. That all looked fine. Um Michael B. Jordan probably gives it like 25 points just because he's got so much swag. Yeah, this is the one that I well, I wasn't sure where to keep dropping it to, and I landed at 30, and I'm going to stick with that just because I don't know what else I would I would change it to, really. I mean, eh, I'm just I'm just going to try and not think about it, I think, because <laughs> it was fil a film that just I thought was flat-out bad. I'm not going to change my score 
your brains are obviously smaller than a pistachio nut. You're a couple Ow. of pistachio-sick brains. Lucky for this us. This is a decent movie, and that's the way it is. It's Lucky a for us, pistachios are fucking delicious. I love a good pistachio. <laughs> All right, so that one got changed for the average score to a 53. So, now we're going to go into a couple of averages for our scores. So, the average score that Jacob has given on a movie has been an 81. The average score that has given on a movie is a 76. And the average score that I've given on a movie is an 80. Pretty fair numbers. Yeah. I'm actually honestly surprised mine isn't higher than that. But, so the second set of averages are the average score that each person got on their movie picks. So, um, kind of like for all the four movies that I've picked over 2020. Crossing my fingers. The average score for all of my movies. Um, came in at a 76. And I think that dropped a lot because of Chronicle, probably. This is rigged. <laughs> and then Jacobs came Damn. in at an 80. Oh, this is so rigged. And your boy came in at an 82. This is rigged. This is cherry picking at its finest. Slow and steady, baby, wins the race. What are you using to count this, Dominion? (laughs) (laughs) And then the top five movies that we watched over the last 15 that we've released. So hopefully this will be a lot more interesting over a a whole course um, or a whole year's worth of movies. But um, the top five are number one was Jurassic Park at 92. Number two was Sicario at 91. Number three was Klaus at 89. Number four was Contact at 88. And then number five was Child of the Chicago 7 at 87. Your boy's got two movies in the top five. Yeah. And then Caden uh, actually has the number two one. <laughs> so, And he even gave it the lowest score out mm-hmm. of all of us. Yeah, so. that's crazy. All right. So that ought to wrap up 2020. Yep, there's our kind of t- look back at 2020s, our uh, kind of some sabermetric numbers there. We changed some scores. Um, now let's talk about kind of our game plan for 2021. The podcast is over. We're retiring. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course we not. We love you guys too much to do that. We love movies too much to do that. We're actually going to be doing more. Um, I'm sure is extremely excited about that. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be awesome. I <laughs> echo exactly what said. Um, so what we're going to be doing is we are going to be adding some reviews. The movie industry chain is changing a little bit with this whole COVID situation, and there is a lot that we want to talk about with what the mo- what's happening in the movie industry and what it's going to look like moving forward, but we're going to save that for another time and... Today, we're just going to kind of talk about what our game plan is for 2020 and reviewing some of the um, newer movies that are coming out this year. Yes. And so, like, I think 2021, if things go in a positive direction of kind of this COVID thing getting over with, and even if it doesn't, there's going to be a lot of movies that come out because... I'd say like 80, 85% of the slate of movies that was supposed to come out in 2020 didn't. They just shelved them. They're not coming out anymore. And they moved a lot of them to 2021. So with that being said, that means that there's going to be a lot of movies, probably a lot of good movies, probably a lot of bad movies that we're going to want to review 
But I we, we kind of thought that we don't want to have to waste one of our picks on a new movie that all of us want to see. What we're going to be doing is when the three of us or probably sometimes two of the three of us decide this is a movie that we kind of have to review. Like this is a big movie. A lot of people are going to see it. This is one going to be good for the podcast, good for the listener because you guys are going to actually, these are movies that you guys are probably going to be seeing at the same time as we are. Right. So you're going to actually kind of know what we're going, what we're talking about when we're reviewing these movies where we've kind of picked some indie ones and some small movies where a lot of people haven't seen them. Yeah, we got, um, there's a lot of movies that are, we got a sheet here that has, um, which shout out to Jacob for putting this together. It's all the, um, a lot of the bigger movies are just a lot of movies that are planning to come out throughout 2021. Um, and there's a lot of them that are going to be really hyped up and we are going to really want to do a review on when they come out. Uh, but like you said, we don't want to take a pick to do it because we like to do our picks for older movies or classic movies or um, just yeah, any anyone just that is overlooked. That missed. Yeah, and even if we haven't missed them, like Jurassic Park, like I think that was probably that was one of my favorite episodes we've done just because it was introducing one of my favorite movies of all time to new people. Yep. So this is going to be an opportunity for all of us to a see movies that we guarantee have never seen because they're just coming out. And yeah, they have a lot of hype around them and hopefully you guys will be watching them about when we do. So we won't be doing these reviews all the time. Like you said, we're going to, we're going to pick and choose um, just a couple of them throughout the year. And so it's probably going to be maybe around 10. We don't really know how many we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of whatever happens, happens. If we decide we want to do this, we'll do it. If we hear from a bunch of you guys, Hey, you need to review this new James Bond movie. You need to review the new space jam. We'll listen to you. If you say we have to do it, we're going to do it. Maybe. Guaranteed. <laughs> maybe. 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 Hard maybe. <laughs> but so, yes. We don't like rules. We like to keep it flexible and yep. fun around here. So, a couple of the movies, I'm just going to go over a few that um, are on this list that we might be looking forward to or just some big names. No Time to Die, which was the next James Bond, which I thought. I'll tell you what, there, there's, there's three. It came out. No. Uh-uh. It didn't? It was supposed to come out. Yeah, it was supposed That's to one of the out, 2020 movies that got pushed to 2021. Wow. Um, okay, so I'm very excited Even for that before one. that, on March 5th, Raya and the Last Dragon, is it's a new Disney movie coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, um, all right. Going to be a lot of hype behind that one. Chaos Walking, Daisy Ridley, Ray from Star Wars, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Mads Mikkelsen. He's been in Star Wars. He's been in Marvel. Nick Jonas. They're all in this movie. It's going to be awesome. Sci-fi, weird-looking-ass movie. We got A Quiet Place 2. Interesting. Yeah. Quiet Quiet Place 2, Black Widow. No. um, Fast and Furious 9. Jesus, are they still making those? (laughs) No. Yeah. That's another one that was supposed to come out in 2020. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm -hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's a Marvel movie. Oh, definite no. Definite, yes. Space Jam, the next nope. one, A New Legacy. Uncharted? Not yep, sure I know that one. It's based off of a video game. Oh, uh, like okay. A very popular video game series. Tom Holland, Brian Mark Wahlberg, Cranston. Brian Cranston. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie that's been kind of bandied about for the, I mean, the past six, seven years. Jungle Cruise. Yeah, I'm actually really excited the for this Rock. one. This was supposed to be a 2020 movie. It's based off of the Disney World ride, the Jungle Cruise, with all the stupid dad jokes throughout it. Dwayne so the Rock a, it's Johnson. It's a perfect movie for The Rock. Yeah. 
it's it, it's like it's pretty much a what's the Jumanji three is what I kind of look at this. Yeah, as. that's all I really picture it. Jungle Cruise and The Rock. I picture Jumanji. Yep. Suicide Squad. The next one. How about no? No. So this is this movie. I think is like going to remastered? be a fascinating movie. So it's a reboot, kind of. They're keeping a lot. Not, not. I don't want to say a lot. They're keeping some of the same cast as the one that came out two years ago. Or yes, a while ago. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Ago. Yep, that one is back. Um, I think the person that plays Amanda Waller is back. The person that plays like Jared Leto, Colonel back? Rick Flag. I don't think so. All right. I'm yeah. In. Is Will Smith still? I don't think Will Smith is in it. And the that's big thing for me, I think that's actually a good. I thing. think I love Margot Smith. Robbie was yeah. probably honestly the best. Thing. Yes, Margot Robbie was the best part. But here's what makes me excited about this movie is that James Gunn is directing it. Guardians of the Galaxy is widely regarded as one of the best Marvel films. Um, it is good. It's a unique take. James Gunn's very good at taking a huge, big cast of characters and making them all mesh. Sylvester Stallone supposed to be doing a voice in this thing. It's a huge cast. Um, John Cena's in it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting movie. It's either going to be really good or it's going to be really bad, which means either way, it's going to make for a good review. It probably can't be any worse than the last one. So no. that's the good news. Death on the Nile. Yes. Did you ever see Murder on the Orient Express? I Came out not. a couple years ago. No. Um. Kenneth, Gal Gadot's in it? Yep, Gal Gadot's going to be in it. Army Hammer, directed mm. by Kenneth Branagh. He also directed Murder on the Orient Express. All right. Kind of a mystery. He's a detective. Very nice. We also got Dune, which yes, I... Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. That is the only movie on this whole list that just screams yes. To and so I have a feeling... skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with Sage on this one, full tilt. This is a movie that I am going to need to see in the theater. I will drive oh to gosh. Wyoming. I will drive to Kansas, Nebraska. If Colorado's theaters aren't open by then, I'll drive wherever because this is a movie that one, Dennis Villanueva wants us to see in the theater, thinks needs to be seen in the theater. So it says October 1st is the expected date of release. Yes. Have you read the book? No. Should we read the book? I will I not have read the book. the book. Yeah, you've read the book. And you, you should read the book. I do I'm not read. Scared though, because usually they're like movies are really hard to beat the book. So I'm wondering if that's gonna like that's what hinder. I'm not a trailer person. I'm with you on trailers. Yeah, I, but I don't like trailers. When it comes to movies that are based on a book, I feel like I need to watch a trailer because when you read a book, you kind of have a visualization of yeah, what's you create gonna, like, your what own. the world looks like. <sighs> yeah. Okay, I. If you guys really want to do this, I can make a compromise and I can listen to the audiobook. That's fine. Because right. I kind of want to, I mean, I've wanted to read this book and I think it might be a good time to push me to read it before this movie comes out. Because it- I, I, I'm with you. I, it's a book that practically my entire life I've been told I need to read, especially by one of my cousins. He's kind of the cousin that introduced me to Star Wars and really through that has made me this lover of film and Dune was such a big inspiration on George Lucas to make Star Wars. There's so yep. many. It's in the same vein. So many things in Dune that when you know about Dune, you can see it in Star Wars. And I know some of the stuff just from being such a big Star Wars fan without ever touching the story of Dune. So let's read it. You, you can do All an right. audio book, but let's, let's, let's do this book. And well, so I was going to say, 
uh, I'm not usually a trailer guy, but I did watch it. I watched the trailers for movies that are based on books because I want to see how the director visualized the book being made. Example, The Giver. I Garbage. almost vomited <laughs> I watching the trailer. I don't know why. Anybody I was I like, would seen the movie, it. but that I've is my favorite book. And I watched the trailer and I wanted to kick the first thing I could see because it looked so <laughs> horrible. Yeah. I was pissed. I it, The trailer looked horrible. I did see that one. And I heard the movie was terrible. I've read that book, by the way. I've read the book. The book is really I, good. I read a book. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everybody in the world has read The Giver, but I read a book. But I watched the trailer for Dune and... I got hyped. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, interesting. Holy shit. I saw the trailer for Dune in the IMAX theater before Tenet. Yeah. I went to the IMAX theater for Tenet. Big time. Yeah. But that trailer, holy shit. I can tell you, the book is amazing and captivating. And what I saw in the trailer, if if they follow the book as well as they can with the way that their vision, holy shit. That... I mean, I may be overhyping. Yeah, it. I was gonna and say, I was I like, might be, be careful, don't overhype it. But, but I'm, I'm getting optimistic, which is rare. Wow, mm-hmm. very rare. Just adopting the weak optimism. I'm gonna guess his score right now for Dune. He's gonna say it was a 71. All right, we're predetermining. I really score. hope it isn't. Um, and I'm gonna give it like an 88. I'm gonna say he's gonna give it an 82. We'll see. All right, and then just to finish off the year, we got Eternals. Yep, another Marvel movie. Uh, reuniting two stepbrothers from Game of Thrones, Richard Madden, Kit Harrington, John and Rob Stark. Not in the Game of Thrones no, sense. in the Marvel <laughs> sense. Ah, so, I heard you say that yes. word, and I said, hmm. <laughs> um, Angelina Jolie's in it, Salma Hayek, Camille Nanjani, a bunch of other people. It's a pretty big cast, uh, this and Shang-Chi are kind of the movies to kind of set up the rest of the Marvel universe that I'm very interested to see. That is a wicked cast. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Cuff. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested in kind of where the MCU goes from here. We also got the very comparable movie series to Fast and Furious with Mission Impossible because they keep just Don't pumping out mo- Well, just because they're pumping Mission out Impossible movies. Mission Impossible is way better than Fast oh, and Furious. Oh, it's... It's much better. I've never seen a Fast and Furious, but I've seen a lot of Mission Impossibles. Mission Impossible's great. Yeah, yeah Mission Impossible's I would compare good. Mission Impossible more to like... Mission Impossible is actually one of those ones where I think it gets better seven. later. Yes. Like the yes. first few of Mission Impossible is pretty bad. Well, yeah. Mission Impossible 3 was incredible. Once they, once they get away from the numbers, I feel like they get better. Yeah, but this one is Mission Impossible 7, mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's just because it's untitled right now. Ah, untitled right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, let's hope they give it a title. And then we got Spider-Man sequel. What is what is that going to be? Again, untitled. It's the Spider. It's the sequel oh. to Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, it's going to be getting into multiverse stuff. So is it? It's a sequel of not not into the Spider Verse. It's a sequel of the live action. So a multiverse Tom Holland stuff one. with Tom Holland. Yes, and so so they're kind of mixing. And okay, so I, I should preface this by saying a lot of this is rumor. But a lot of this is rumor that most people are kind of running with to be like pretty much true. Andrew Garfield's been seen on set. Um, oh, so reports of Tobey Maguire getting fitted for a new suit, Spider-Man suit, have been flying out there. Um, there's even talk of Emma Stone, depending on how her pregnancy. What about like, James Franco? 
I don't think so. He was the, gob- I, or yeah. the Green Goblin. But he died, didn't he? In James the- Frank. Oh, in the, in the-, <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is supposed to be back as um, <laughs> the, the blue electric guy from like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I don't think movies. I ever saw the Andrew Garfield. No, I one. never. I, I, I saw the no second way. one. Um, there's multiple Andrew Garfield ones. Yes, there's two. Oh my god. Um, this is going to be a crazy movie. I'm really excited for it. I think with the help of Kevin Feige, this is kind of the Spider-Man movies. The first two have been the Spider-Man movies that people have been clamoring for. Sounds like it could be co- kind of cool. So, I mean, I mean, I loved Spider-Verse. That's like one of my favorite movies from 2019, probably. Um, and one of the, my favorite animated films, actually. That, that probably is my favorite recently. animated film and favorite movie of 2019. It's so good. So, I mean, if it, if it can... It sounds like it's got potential. So, mm-hmm. it, it sounds exciting. And then next Christmas, it looks like, or close to, we have... Am the, I reading that correctly? The Matrix 4. There's a 4 there. So, it's yes. another Matrix. Yeah, you yes. didn't see Matrix 2 or 3? Well, yeah. I have not seen The Matrix 2 or 3, and I've, like, barely seen The Matrix 1. Wait, wait, I said that as a joke. There's Matrix 2 and 3? Yes. yes. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> well, I mean, I assumed after this, but I said that, and you guys quickly... So, no, I didn't even know. I mean, like, I figured that there were, but I... Knew- I've heard 3's utter shit. I've heard 2 is almost utter shit. And, again, I've seen... I've probably seen all of The Matrix, but all at different points, probably spanned within yeah. five years. Do they years. all have John Wickmans? Keanu. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yes. Do they all have... Allstate man. No. Not Allstate only man. Only one and two. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> okay. And he's not even the Allstate commercial. Guy. No, that's what I was just saying. You are so bad with people. Jeff, <laughs> Mr. Jeff Bridges, Kurt Russell. Okay, but so it's a similar cast for these like films. For the first yes, one. I don't know if Lawrence Fishburne is going to be in this fourth one or not. I'm assuming he Weird. probably will be. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that kind of rounds out the list, and I think that's a kind of a good segue, this conversation, into what we are doing Next in the episode, um, we figured... So it, we're doing our first episode. Yes, we're doing this, this first special... New movies. Yep, and while Soul isn't a 2021 movie, it came out while we had this idea, so we figured it was the perfect one to kind of kick this off. I, we kind of couldn't quite decide between Soul and Wonder Woman, and with Sage's affinity to against superhero movies... I figured Soul would definitely be the right choice. I think I made the right one because Wonder Woman, not that good, like quite bad. So we're so we are gonna watch Soul, which yeah came out over Christmas. Um, it was the Disney Pixar movie with Jamie Fox. Yep. Um, Tina Fey. I don't really know anything about it, honestly. It was a Pixar movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looks like so. looks like uh, the jazz movie. Yep. Yeah, a little I, bit about music. I don't really know. I, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be good. I think it's hard for Pixar to miss. And when they do miss, their misses really aren't that bad. But let's let's watch it, I guess. Uh, yeah, anybody I got, else have anything? I got high hopes for all of these Pixar movies. They usually, are, they usually don't miss. It's a Pixar movie, and I'm pretty dedicated to Pixar. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Disney and Pixar Soul, streaming on Disney Plus December 25th. Music is all I think about. From the moment I wake up in the morning 
to the moment I fall asleep at night. I was born to play. It's my reason for living. Hello? What the... This weed, the council. There's a soul missing. Is this heaven? No. Is it H E double hockey sticks? Hell, hell, hell. Quiet coyotes. <laughs> no, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interest before they go to Earth. Here we are. Don't worry, you can't crush a soul here. That's what life on Earth is for. Whoa. It's my life. Can you help me get back? Come on. This won't be a disaster, that's for sure. You're out there somewhere, little soul. Life is full of possibilities. You just need to know where to look. Don't miss out on the joys of life. <laughs> like uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't, we can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Disney and Pixar Soul. Get ready. Your life is about to start. Start streaming December 25th. Man, oh man, do I love jazz music. Very good. Yeah, sure. That's not what you said before the movie, as the movie started. What did I say? You said jazz music is so overrated. Oh, I didn't even hear that. It. He slipped that by? He thought he could just slip that by? 50% of the things I say jokingly. So I wonder if it was sarcastic or real. You want... <laughs> I have to think well, about it. Was it? One second. Give me five seconds. Yeah. Jazz is overrated. Oh, my gosh. But it's very good in pieces, but I couldn't probably go to a jazz bar and just sit there and listen to jazz for two hours. Oh but this is also coming from the person who I could totally empathize with in that movie who was like... Yeah, it was 22 when she was like... I don't like music, like all that stuff about her not liking music. I was like, that's basically me. Yeah, you're kind of like a 22. I am like a 22. <laughs> <laughs> What's your spark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when 22 was like, I don't really like music. I don't really see the point of it or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so you. Yeah. But overall, though, I really like this film. I think, I mean, Pixar usually kills it. I think they... In all of their movies, they do a really good job um, of telling a cute, feel-good story and usually with a really good message. Um, but, yeah, I really like this. I like the music in it. I like the um, overall message of it. I think the only thing that I didn't wasn't really into as much was maybe just the storyline. Um, I think that that was kind of a weird storyline in the way that it went. Um, a lot of it I did not see coming. But, yeah, other than that, I really like the film overall. Other general thoughts before we dive into specifics? Your initial thoughts. 
I have no idea how I feel about this movie. I All think right. <laughs> so. This is something that I've seen kind of bandied about before I saw the movie online and whatnot. Um, Pixar is kind of known for attempting to explain these deep themes to kids in a way that they can digest, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they missed their mark on that. As you mean in, you? Uh, yeah. Continue. As in, I don't think they dumbed it down enough, if you will, for kids. Like, I think if kids watch this movie, they're going to be like, um, what just happened? Yeah. I don't understand half of that. I liked the pretty colors. I think that would be a really interesting thing to watch that with a kid and ask them what their thoughts are on the movie and see if they can be like, I want to go find my spark or something along those lines. Or if they're just kind of like, I like jazz <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, but <laughs> I think the beginning did a pretty good job of when like, he was going into the light and then when he was in the like pre-life world. Yeah, the great before. Yeah, I, I think I think those two things were very kind of kid-friendly and kind of can help parents along with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it kind of gets into like sparks and whatnot and it's, purpose. It's, it's not about having yeah. a purpose, but it's about having a spark in life. Yeah. I think that's when it probably loses kids, but I think it is still a pretty powerful message for most adults. Yeah. I, I think that the message overall, I think the message was my favorite thing about the film. Um, but I can totally, I totally agree with that. I think the, it's a really hard message to convey to, I mean, even a lot of people, um, let alone just like kids or even teenagers or even young adults or even older people. Like, I mean, I think it's a pretty hard message to convey. Um, but I think they did it. And, and like, I think one of the things that I liked about it was the creative aspects, which you just kind of touched on, which was the way that they portrayed the great beyond and the great before and like the creation of somebody's personality. Um, and like all the, like the way that that world works, like how you can change your voice, you can change like all of those people, like the Tina Fey's character. Um, and how you don't feel, you don't taste, you don't do these things, but you go through these things to try and find out what like your spark is um, before you go to earth. So I thought that that all was really creative, but it was, and I think that they did a pretty good job of describing that in a kid friendly way. But yeah, I totally agree that the, the last like 30 minutes of the kind of overall meaning of it all, I'm not sure if I even like fully, like, I think, I think I have my interpretation of it all, but yeah, I mean, it's a tough message to convey. This movie is like cheesecake. It's very dense. Cheese references. Yeah. I was going to say moose, but I had to Google it quick and moose is a light cake. So I couldn't say moose. Cheesecake is a And so I had to go through my head and I was like, dense cake, dense cake, dense cake, cheesecake. Maybe a fudge cake. Yeah, fudge is where I Could be a fudge cake. All right. We're not a cake podcast. We are not a cake podcast. You are so weird. I British baking show though, and they would be disappointed in me. Jisms are so ridiculous. <laughs> this is—it was a very dense fudge cake. It was very dense. And you mean dense by the message? Yeah, I th- I'm pretty much on par with Jacob. I think, as far as Pixar goes, this was maybe a reach, maybe a reach for me to say it's a reach, but I think it they was. They made a good adult movie. Oh yeah. I, I think you're you're definitely in the right that this was a stretch as far as if their goal was to send this message to kids. 
I think that they're, I think I, yeah, and I'm not going to speak for Pixar and what their point was or like their intentions and goals were behind this film. But, um, I think that it was just kind of a general film. I think they made it kid friendly in the appearance of it and kind of the language. But, um, as far as like the deep meaning, it's like, like, yeah, it's something that's very difficult to convey. See, and it wasn't as an adult, it wasn't anything like the point of finding Nemo or at least the theme of finding Nemo was a bigger hitter to me than this or the theme of Coco was a bigger hit to me than this. This seemed a little. And define what you mean by a bigger hit. Like Like emotional uh, hit. Yeah. Emotional. It was a, it was a heart tugger. This one, I didn't feel emotionally like warped in this one. Like I didn't. This one didn't tug at your heartstrings. Uh, not at all. And good Pixar is absolutely like make you go, make you as an adult your heart sink sometimes, and you're totally enveloped in the theme, and the kids can follow along because to them the theme is just a watered down version but to you you understand like the real just i don't know maybe it's the theme i said at the beginning of this that i don't know how i feel about this movie so yeah i think so i think there's a few things that this movie does different than like the classic pixar movies that you think of when you hear pixar i don't think there was a lot i think kids would be bored with this movie compared to like a finding nemo or a even like inside out um, which is one of the probably deeper ones of all. Of I them. think th- that's a good example of this one, of what this one should have been tried to be well, better and I, with. So I actually, I, I I was talking to Jacob about how I took so many notes this time. I took so many notes. You guys would be so proud. Um, but one of the first no- notes that I made was when he was first into the great before and the J- the first Jerry, like, picked him up and all of the other little school children and took them around to their personalities and whatever. I was like, this feels very Finding Nemo-esque where the um, Stingray guy takes all of the little children fish and like takes them around the reef and like shows them all of these things. And then they all hop, some hop out and go like, or do over there. That felt very Finding Nemo-esque. And then also the, a lot of the um, personality stuff felt very Inside Out-esque. I think that like, I made a note that this movie felt like a combination of some other pieces from other Pixar movies that they kind of pulled and they were like, Oh, this worked in this one. Let's, let's go along with this point um, of like introducing all of these like elements. And then um, all of like the personality traits and all that stuff was very inside out esque. Even um, like, and I noticed that too throughout this movie for Pixar, for me being pretty regarded as a very original movie creating um, what do you call them? Production, blah, blah, blah. Whatever they are, they whenever they create something new, it's pretty damn original. It's very hard to think of anything that it could have copied from, and this one felt pretty stale to me as far as a Pixar movie goes. And to go on top of that, this had some Coco-esque, too, of someone getting lost in the solar spirit. In this other world. And meeting someone and then them venturing back to the transition oh, point. So they're... There were a lot of overlaps with other Pixar movies, which didn't help it for me. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think that at some point they're going to 
struggle to come up with like new content and new stories and, and yet pixar still makes original usually at least up until this movie made original content and this one did feel a little bit like and i think this one still was different from all of those um and i i think they accomplished their goal of being different from all of those but they definitely pulled some other pieces at least that reminded me of certain things and clearly it reminded you of other things so yeah i i don't disagree with the whole they're pulling from their other works um I actually, I don't think, I, I can't knock it for that. Like, I don't think it's a, in my mind, like a criticism of it. I think it's just kind of something that you notice, something that you notice, and something that was bound to happen. And the other, to kind of continue with this, like, kids versus kind of adult movie, is, in like, most of these movies, adults and kids, you kind of hit this they pull the same themes from it, but the the adults pull a far deeper theme where with this movie, the adults are going to be able to pull that deeper theme, but I don't know what the other, like the shallow version of that theme is going to be. And if kids are going to be able to, I, I know what it, I know what the shallow version is. It's like, just like kind of try to live your life to like the fullest and like enjoy the things happening around you type of deal. But I don't know if the kids are going to be able to pick that up. Yeah. And understand the meaning of it. I think um, the biggest thing that I'm going to come out of this is what would, like, I'm so curious about to talk to like a kid after seeing this movie and say, what, what are your thoughts? And just see what a subject group of kids would say. I'm with Jacob. I bet it would be a massive head scratcher. Oh yeah. I, and I don't think that the actual story was, entertaining enough to keep a kid engaged right and like it's not a very colorful movie um there's not the colors of inside out or finding nemo to kind of keep the younger ones engaged and the humor in it is all pretty adult based humor abraham lincoln telling a lie yeah the new york knicks joke which was hilarious and like <laughs> i like love how they rested the a couple psychologists that they brought in there like the humor is like practically all adult humor. And I don't mean that in like South Park adult humor. I mean that in it's humor that only adult adults, adults will understand. Will understand. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think that they like tried to hit it with the kids on certain things like the cat, like all the humor that happened with the cat. Um, and maybe like the way that she was acting when 22 was acting, when they're in, when she's in what's his name's body, Joe's body. Um, and kind of acting like a kid. But other than that, like all like the dialogue and all like those um, jokes, definitely adult humor. Well, when we had done Klaus, the adult humor seemed to be slipped in there. Like, it was Yeah, very subtle. This one definitely felt very forced. Like I, un I thought the Nick's part was funny, but I was like, come on. That was, and a lot of the adult jokes in this one, I was like, I mean... It seems like you're really trying to please the adult audience, and maybe that's petty. Yeah, I so I think the only one that like will like age poorly is the next one. When you try to make like pop culture references, you have to make make sure that you're making a pop culture reference that lasts a lifetime and will last many lifetimes. Because like think about some like the older like early two thousands like comedies they don't age well, not because they're not PC or anything like that, but because they're making jokes about like the modern technology 
And that's kind of akin to a Knicks joke. Like, we don't know. The Knicks could be very good five years from now. Probably not because the Knicks are hot garbage, but <laughs> there, there's the possibility out there. And then seven years from now when the Knicks are winning like eight of the last like 15 championships, a kid's going to watch that and be like, I don't get it. The Knicks are really good. And so like that one I can see taking on bridge with, but like the Abraham Lincoln stuff, all kids learn from a pretty early age. Honest day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like the Freud joke was like, Kids won't get that, but that's going to be a joke that lasts forever because yeah, he's in the pop culture zeitgeist, if you will. Um, there's a lot of other kind of jokes like that and kind of history references, I guess, is the way to put that, where a lot of them are long-lasting, but the kids just won't get them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're too advanced. I think yep. advanced is the right word. This is a very advanced movie. And it takes a certain amount of schooling to have been done to understand this movie. And yeah. it was Carl Jung. And Freud. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Freud. We'll go back and check. <laughs> I just Googled it. Uh, but I guess another thing going into, because I think the, the one of the more um, kid-friendly things, like I was saying about this movie, was the storyline. Um, not as much the messages or the jokes or anything else. Like all of that seemed very, um, you'd have to be, older to get all that and digest it all. But the storyline was, I think the, the part where they made it the most kid friendly, um, as far as like this world that he goes into and like using your imagination and, um, kind of very inside out, like we were talking, but then also going into like the cat's body and then sheer like 22 being in his body and then their whole work to figure out how to fix all that. Um, but going into that, I'm not sure I really loved, like I said, at the beginning, I'm not sure I really loved the storyline. Like, I thought that it, like, was, it jumped around so much. And, like, I, I didn't see, I didn't see him dying. Like, maybe, and maybe that was in the bio that we didn't read beforehand. But I don't know if you, about you guys. But like, like, the very beginning? Yeah, like, when he fell into the sewer and he turned into a soul. Yeah. yeah the bio I, said it was a car accident, but he just fell into a manhole. Yeah, I, so I, I knew. So you knew that it was, a, like, a, yes. like, he was going to be a I, soul. I've seen the trailers and whatnot. Oh, okay. And I think the majority of the audience knows what's what they're gonna what's gonna happen yeah so i guess with me and like i tend to like to do this with movies is not watch any trailers not read that much about it and just kind of dive into it but i think the story is the one thing like where he just dies really quickly becomes the soul and then his whole trying to figure out how to get back i was like oh this is going to be interesting is he gonna actually get back to earth or is he gonna end up staying in this world and just find out that he's a really good mentor um and like kind of like a teacher figure but then when they go back into the world, like into Earth, I was like, oh, so he's going to be back. But then they swip, swapped bodies. And I was like, oh, OK, well, now here's another issue. How are they going to figure all this out? And so a lot of the storyline, I'm not sure I liked that much. Um, maybe maybe I just can't even say that much on top of it other than it just didn't grab me. Like it didn't feel. Yeah, I think I have a com- the complete opposite um, criticism of the storyline. I, th- I felt like it was very predictable. Yeah, absolutely. Where, so predictable. Like, they're both going down. We already saw the cat. Obviously, they're not going to be in the right bodies. Well, yeah. I I just, it was... Which is fine. And, like, I, I think maybe that's another kind of knock against this movie is that the storyline was very basic, but the 
kind of meaning behind it was very deep. It was very deep. So like, I guess maybe that's how they were trying to get the kids to still enjoy this is let's tell a pretty basic story, but have very deep meanings throughout it. And see, for me, that's, I think the storyline is my biggest knock on this movie. And I listened to this really, really interesting uh, screenplay. I don't know if it was a lecture podcast or something. It could have been a podcast, but it, it was using Pixar screenplays as an outline for dramatic screenplay writing. And they used Finding Nemo as an example of something uh, it, it was something as simple as like you lose your son and you have to go get him again. Like that's kind of an interesting storyline, but your son isn't just missing. He's like all the way in Sydney across an entire ocean. And you're a little like whatever they were goldfish. What are they? Clownfish. <laughs> Clownfish. Clownfish. Oh, and not only that, all the jellyfish. And so all these uphill obstacles are put in Marlon's way. And then when he finally gets his son, his, he needs to let go of his son in order for his son to save others. And he like learns that compelling lesson. Like it was a roller coaster of emotions. Like he's running into sharks and then they're good and then they're bad and they're going to eat them. And it's a similar theme. Like Ratatouille is a rat that cooks, but rats can't be in the kitchen. It and almost then, like they, they almost have a hero's journey to it. Right. Well, like to me, modern day mythology nowadays exists in the movies. Our modern day mythology is Star Wars, Pixar, Lord of the Rings, where those are the kind of primal, I'm going to use the word basic, but I don't mean basic as in dull or boring. I mean basic as in they're at the basis of everybody's kind of id. I don't know if that's the right word for that, but like, there are these stories that are true throughout time for a reason, just like in like Greek mythology and the Bible, where these stories resonate with people for a reason because they are things that happen to everyday people, but they're taken to the absolute max. And so this one, I don't know if you can necessarily throw under that. I don't think it's no, and that's, a deep enough story. That's my problem with it. I didn't feel... And I didn't even think at a base level the story was very compelling to begin with. Like it's, it was hard to be as an adult, like enthralled and like maybe like the only dramatic piece to it was a jazz musician is a soul. It's like, and it's kind of soul music, but even then that's kind of, it's just kind of bland to me. And the, yeah, they, he needs to figure out how to get back on earth and he basically cheats the system and then he becomes a cat and then they find like this and little Terry hippie comes weirdo. To find him. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they find this hippie weirdo that's like, oh, I can give you, get you through this shaman teleportation and make you like yourself again. I was like, that does not feel Pixar. I, that feels. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I see exactly what they were going for. They were going for, let's tell this story about this everyday person who is a pretty selfish person. There isn't a lot going on for him that he can see. Um, he keeps trying at this career that it's his passion, but he keep like obstacles keep getting thrown in his way. He gets so close, but then something happens where he can't do it. And 
I think when you're trying to tell a story about somebody ordinary, it makes it very difficult. Um, especially if the journey you put that ordinary person on doesn't lead that ordinary person on to becoming a hero, if you will. Like, they were almost there with it. Yeah, I agree. they, it, to me, it was like a guy, it, it, I think the whole quote that that movie really could have leaned on and could have made it impactful was the woman's story of the fish trying to look for the ocean when it was already the ocean didn't know. I think that if they had leaned that as like the the pivotal meaning of the story, it could have been much better. And I don't think they needed to go. Th- like, it just seemed forced right, and like, to make him become a soul and then have to get back to earth. They touched on it like a couple of times with like the barber. He wanted to be a veterinarian, but kind of found his purpose in being a barber because he gets to hear all these stories. And I think, I think it would have been a more compelling story if like the final payoff isn't, Oh, like your spark isn't your purpose. That's so basic thinking is what Jerry said to Joe. I think instead of like, yeah, like that is true. But what like the point of the movie should have been is you don't know what your purpose is. And so many people take their purpose for granted when they're living it in their everyday life. Like, obviously his purpose was to be a teacher and to, like, inspire these students to do great things. And he couldn't see that. And so that's kind of where they should have pushed the story to. Yeah, I, I want to jump in here real quick because I have a couple points on all of that. Um, one point that I think you guys nailed on um, is that I think that the story lacked and that the, but I, I do think that the message was there and they, I think they, to me, they conveyed, like I picked up that I think what I digested as the message um, really well, but I don't think that the story was very true to that or matched that. Um, and it's kind of like, I mean, I think back to like Finding Nemo and Coco and some of these other movies have a really, really good story that keeps you engaged the entire time um, and it flows really well. And then in the end, there's some sort of message that you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but the whole time you're just thinking about the story. This movie, I think, was kind of the opposite, where the entire time the story is going on, I wasn't really into what he was going to do next or, like, what um, was going to happen to him or 22 next. I kind of felt like I, I mean, as much as this plot jumped around and that confused me, I think I kind of knew exactly how um, things were going to turn out, kind of like what Jacob was saying. But I think this movie did lean a little bit too heavily on the message. Um, I think they conveyed the message to me, but I don't think that they reflected that in the story as much. Um, and I think that that's agreeing with you guys, but I don't, I also don't want to dog the movie for not having as good of a story. Cause I think that the message was really solid and I loved, I loved all the messages that they sent. I think that the main message that I really liked was when he is playing the piano for those, for the family or for the lady Dorothy. Um, and he's kind of goes into his zone. Um, I think that the way that they capture that idea of like, you like people know like you know when you're in the zone and like and when you're in the zone is like when time does becomes irrelevant and you're just whether like it's you playing baseball or you writing a book or you reading or something like that when you are in the zone like you know when you're really enjoying something cooking all of these other things recording a podcast recording a podcast baby we're in the fucking zone right now um so i and, but i really like the idea of 
paying attention to the zone and like knowing what you really like. Um, and I, that, so that was one message that I got from it. Another message that I got from it was kind of what you were talking about, about, um, and the, what we are also referencing the fish in the ocean. And I think that it's kind of the idea of sometimes I think we get so caught up in pursuing, um, something in life that we forget that we are living life and like you are living the dream as you're going. Um, and that was kind of, so I, I completely agree that if they would have leaned on that a little bit more and they would have pushed that a little bit more, I think they did push it to me, but I don't think that, like, I think it could have been part of the story line. It's like the combination of don't build your expectations so high that nothing can meet it. And don't get so lost along the journey to where when you finally get to the destination, it didn't, it, like, it, it underperforms, it under, whatever the word I'm looking for is. Yeah, the way I think I'm thinking about it that's making most clear for me is that the way they portrayed the mes- message was very surface level, is very two-dimensional, when they had a lot of opportunities to make it three-dimensional, make it a lot deeper, and it kind of was like, oh, yeah, you're a fish in an ocean, and it was like saying, oh, you're a fish in an ocean in another way. Oh, you're a fish in an ocean. It never really went into why that is the point. And for me, and it was, and I think if they had delved into that space more, it would have felt more like a Pixar movie. And I do have like a fundamental thing of the whole being a soul, the soul, soul world and all that outside. I think that was... I just don't think that that was the best. It felt overly creative. It felt like an overly creative way to tell the to tell the story and to make the point. Like going into the zone, you didn't like that part. I I liked that part a lot. That was like probably one of my favorite parts of it. Um, Maybe it's the negative side of me, but I like the lost world part more. <laughs> the yeah, lost no, souls. Yeah. So there, there. I think there's a lot of things that they portrayed in a really creative way that I loved because it reflects real life so well. And I think that one of them is the zone. Um, when people are in the zone, they know it. Another one is the lost souls. Cause I think like when you, like, you know, a lost soul, when you see one, like if you see somebody walk around like the street or somebody in your office or somebody that you in your family, even, or some of that, and you like, you can see that they're a lost soul. Cause they don't know their direction. They don't, there's, they have their head so deep in like the sand that they can't even pick it up and look around. Um, so, and, and I, so I like all these aspects. Um, and what, another note that I even said was I loved the um, way that 22 got inspired by the kid that was like her, but almost figured out that she really does like something. And, and like seeing her almost get excited about something, got 22 excited about it, um, about or got 22 excited about finding out what that one thing was for her. So I think that that I think that's something that's very true in life. I think if you see somebody that's um, really excited and really passionate about figuring out what they enjoy that sparks a little bit of, um, excitement in you. Um, one of the other instances of that, which I think goes into kind of our, um, the meaning of the fish in the ocean, which was 22's, the, the, everything that she was collecting in her pocket, which was like the sucker, the leaf, the pizza, all of these little like small day-to-day things that we can like that 22 was clearly enjoying a lot. Um, and, and kept and made her fall in love with life on earth. Um, that I think was all of those little things. So that, that is maybe one way that the storyline does hit on that fish in the ocean reference. 
Because I think that that's kind of, 22 is kind of the fish in the ocean to me. Well, and I guess maybe Joe was too. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into the storyline does hit the point of the um, everyday life experiences and all the little things um, are the most enjoyable parts about it. And sometimes we get so caught up in what we see in the future. Because, yeah, I think it all comes down to kind of the message to me of the story was that life is beautiful. Um, and it, like in, in life is just made up of all of these little moments that they're all exp- that um, 22 is experiencing. And then I think Joe kind of learns that lesson from her in the end. And then he kind of gets his second chance, they say, at life. Um, and then I think that's kind of the point of the last scene when he opens the door and he gets to look outside and he smiles. He kind of gets that feeling of, what 22 had when 22 was on earth for that one day. So I think they kind of can, I think they actually, the message was really well done and I love the message. I love that music was a part of it. Um, I think the storyline was a little weird and it jumped around. I'm not sure I love the storyline, but I am convincing myself more and more that they did tell the point, at least to me pretty well. All right. My last point, why are New Zealand accents so funny? It was like this and what's the other movie? Guardians of the Galaxy or that used it? Oh, no, it was... Uh, where he's like... Oh, Taika Waititi. Um, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok. Was, and it was also an endgame. He, wasn't yeah. he the guy that was... Yeah. Is but, that the same guy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Same same character. The, <laughs> the rock guy. Yeah, yeah, the rock guy. He's so funny. And this and this Terry guy reminded me exactly of him. He's just like, oh, I'm... I'm the accountant. I got to account. I can't even do it in a Zealand accent now. I can't. Yeah. Even think apparently, of it. the voice actor was an actress. Yeah. That was a girl. Oh, yeah, that was a, a chick. Very Rachel cool. House. Don't know if she's from New Zealand or not, but she is. She, oh, she is. And it looks like she works with Taika Waititi a lot. She uh, was in Hunt for the Wilder People and Thor Ragnarok. Wow. Was she, was she the Thor Ragnarok voice too? No, that was Taika. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anywho, I, I fucking love that New Zealand accent. Oh, I should mention, I love Graham Norton. Graham Norton's just the best. Which one was Graham Norton? Moonwind. Oh, the hippie? Yeah. He's the British talk show host. Oh, he's... If you haven't seen any Graham Norton show clips, he's like the late night talk show host in England, and he's just phenomenal. He gets... He pulls some great stories out of his guests. But anyways, what was your last note? My last note was, uh, well, it wasn't a note. It was just something that I looked up afterwards about the music in the film. Because I was wondering um, if they got real artists to play. Like, you know, the guy that was singing in the subway? Um, Anywho, I didn't end up finding out who that was. I think I could have found out. But anywho, um, I found out that Jamie Foxx obviously was the voice of the main character. But that all of the music that Jamie Foxx was playing, so the piano... Um, was done by John Batiste, um, and which I've heard the, his name before, but I can't say that I know any of his music. Um, but it says that he was one of several for the animated film's musical consultants, who also included Herbie Hancock, David Diggs, and Questlove, which I've heard all the... I mean, obviously, Herbie Hancock and David Diggs, I've heard of Questlove. Um, but And it said that they did 3D replica animation of his hands for the piano scenes so they actually set up uh, i assume that this is what they did like they they hooked up all of the stuff to his hands and had him play and then they basically did the 3d pixar animation version of that so he got to when he saw the film he said that he got to see watch his hands basically in an animated way play the piano um which i think that's really cool because they totally could have fibbed all that and i would have been so sold 
But that may lead to a question of mine. You, I think it was you that said the budget was 150 million for this movie. Yeah, the budget was 150 mil. That has to be like more than double any other Pixar movie. So I looked up Klaus, and Klaus was 40 mil. Yeah, well, like what was? Oh, but other Pixar's. Inside Out was 175 million. Whew. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I think that's cost a lot of money. I retreat. <laughs> Holy crap. I, I also do not understand why animation costs so much. You just have to pay people to draw things. But I do know that it costs a lot. And like CGI costs a lot. I think for the most part, it has to just do with what the standard is now in um, for Disney. Like if Disney's going to make a movie, whoever they hire to make these Pixar movies... That's what those people charge now is they say, okay, if you want to do this, then we're going to charge about this much as we did for the last one. Um, Because obviously you can make animated films like what Klaus did for a much smaller budget. I mean, similar to the Good Time guys, um, the Safdie brothers, you can make films for a lot cheaper budget, but it's kind of, I feel like whoever's making the movie, whatever their typical standard is, they're going to probably pay that. Guess what Toy Story's budget was? 200 plus or something dumb. 30 million. Really? Toy Story yeah. 1? Like the yeah. first one? Oh, well, yeah. What was Toy Story 4? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, like to put it into context, did you guys ever see Loving Vincent? It was about Vincent Van Gogh. Every frame was hand-painted oh. by a professional painter. To like giving me ideas. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's budget. So they had they hired professional artists to paint oil painting frame by frame in Vince Van Gogh style the entire movie budget five and a half million dollars that guy that person so just to put it into context like how kind of fucked it is that your guess on Toy Story 4 was very good 200 yeah yeah on the dot alright I got two questions for you before we go into scores one what do you think 22 Spark was life yeah that seems pretty damn obvious well, okay, but that's a pretty generic answer. Yeah, right. I, mean, I mean, I guess I'll accept it's, it. It's enjoying, like, the little things. Yeah, or just recognizing that you're living. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that's vague, but I think that that might be pretty accurate. What do you think it is? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, for a little while, I kind of was like, I was writing down, writing down notes, like, when um, he needed the suit fix, I was like, ooh, tailoring is going to be her spark. Or when he, they needed a haircut, I was like, ooh, being a barber is going to be her spark. And I was thinking that I was going to... Mister, oh, it's probably... That's a little vague for me. You're just a little fish trying to find the ocean. <laughs> <Mister>. <laughs> no, baby. I'm swimming and I'm loving it. No, I was just thinking about what her spark... And then, like, they even ask because they say, what was her spark? And they don't answer it. Um, well, no, he asked, what was her... Um, purpose. Purpose. And that's when they said, purpose. That's not what this oh, is yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. not what your spark is about. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that that's a probably a pretty good answer. I think I asked it without knowing my own answer, but it, I mean, it probably is the whole. Tastes just a little fish. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was expecting little a, little brain. Th- a little something more big deep brains from we got one little brain. life <laughs> as the answer. <laughs> uh, my other question is, is if you guys could play one instrument, what would it be? Banjo. Ooh. Piano would be piano. Yeah, I think mine has got to be piano. I think it'd be so cool. You can be mobile with a banjo. You can. That's true. I know, but like... And a banjo sounds pretty good on its own. That's my whole thing is like... You can do so many... Like, you can play literally any song on the piano. And like, you can technically do that on the 
banjo too, but like any genre, like I said, any song, you can just bust out some John Williams and then the next minute you can bust out Great Balls of Fire. Like three, a Top Gun. Three reasons banjo is the winner. One, sounds crazy. Two, you can play it over a campfire, at a party, on a con- in a concert hall, and people get down. And three, it's just plain hilarious. Banjo suits you. Yeah. Fine, saxophone then. What? That'd no, we said cool. banjo yeah, suits you. you. Banjo. <laughs> no, banjo would be cool. I wanted to play banjo, yeah, banjo for a long is... time, and then I realized that I have no musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I could Agreed. <laughs> All right, I'm ready to go into scores now. Okay, from the aggregators, Rotten Tomatoes, 97%, IMDb, 7.8 out of 10, and Metacritic, 86 out of 100. I can give my score first. Um, I think I'm going to give this movie an 83. When it first ended, I was probably more towards the nines, but as we kind of talked about it, it it just wasn't there. It was still very good. It was still worth a watch, but not quite into the nines for me. I may be a lost soul but I'm not going to be giving this movie a good score. And it, I think, is my least favorite Pixar movie by a long shot. But it might be one of my favorite di- or shorts. The short movie was very good. We didn't really talk about that that much. But I think I unfortunately have to give this like a 50 out of 100. Whoa. Holy shit. I was very bored. I really didn't think the story was terribly good. I thought it was very unoriginal. Well, it just wasn't, it didn't feel Pixar. It was, my God, he's a lost soul. I didn't laugh as much <laughs> as these two either. Like the jokes felt forced, whereas in other Pixar movies, they feel more. A like 50? Hidden. Yeah. Wow, 50 is brutal. Well, and to put, to be fair, Pixar made movies like Ratatouille, Coco, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Wally, Up, right? They made Up? Mm-hmm. Up sucked. Up was better than this movie. Anywho, your point? It just, it was very uncharacteristic. It was high bar. Off par <laughs> from uh, the high bar that they typically hit. Yeah, well, and I, I think that this, as far as Pixar goes, was probably more of a hit or miss for people. I think if you're going to talk about all those other ones that you just named, um, this one I think will be more of a separator from people that loved it versus people that didn't like it. And I think that that's just because it has a really strong, powerful message. And the story, I think, was, like we've kind of said, wasn't as much there. Um, for me, I'm going to give it an 85. And I think I was hovering around. I was opposite of Jacob. I think I was hovering around um, an 80. But I bumped it up just because I think the more I talked about the message and um, the idea of people finding their passion or at least going through steps to figure out your passion and your purpose, those types of things. And, um, the journey of it isn't actually like the destination isn't the, um, goal. It's the actual journey that you need to enjoy and that all the little moments in life are beautiful as they are. So I think that the message bumped it up for me, the story, I I did watch this movie and didn't feel too, too, um, changed by it. I guess, or too um, emotionally affected. I just thought I came out of it thinking, yeah, good message, solid movie. Eh, don't really need to see it again, I don't think, but. And that's an 85 for you? The message was really good. I really did like the message, and I um, I really 
think that, I mean, I'm a true believer in like anybody that, um, is actively pursuing something that they're interested in or finding their passion or anything like along those lines, like that storyline is awesome. And I think I'm going to support that all day, every day of the week, anybody searching for that. And like when the lost soul finally found his soul and he jumped back into that body and ripped everything apart and had like almost his midlife crisis type of moment and just changed everything. I was like, boom, perfect. You love to see it. So those little moments I liked. This is going to be a tough graphic to put out. That's going to be an average score rounded up to a 73. Oh, that's going to look rough on the Instagram post. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Wow. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you have thoughts or questions, you can shoot us an email at gd4ampodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at gd4gd.movies. We're also on Twitter at gd4gd underscore movies. We would love for you to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on, especially Apple Podcasts. Just make sure they're all five stars. And if you don't, then you're just a lost soul, and I'm coming for you to rescue you. We uh, are very excited for the rest of 2021, and we will catch you next week at the movies. you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and a little less than a wife getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell you're still here it's over Go home. Go.